All right, how we doing, everybody? I'm your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Austin Bickett is here. We're going to recap the Super Bowl. We have this week's Red Lines weekend watch list with a lot in between. Then Lexi Browning joins me for Bachelor Red Talk. We talk Heather, bowling, rivalries, and of course, drama. Our show is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy Sports. Promo code RED with two Ds for a $20 deposit bonus. Just because football's over doesn't mean Thrive is. Give Thrive's Fantasy Golf Contest a shot this weekend. They also have NBA contests rolling night to night. Promo code RED. All right, let's get it going. AB, Austin Bickett, we are back. Football is the exact opposite of back. It's over. And Tom Brady has won yet another Super Bowl, this time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They absolutely dominate the Kansas City Chiefs, 31-9. to was never really a game after the first quarter. Well, what'd you think? Yeah, um, pretty boring Super Bowl. I feel like every other Super Bowl at this point is just boring and overhyped. It sucks when the big game doesn't lead up to it. Um Shout out to the the Bucks defense. They dominated the Chiefs' unstoppable offense. I didn't think they'd be able to do that. I think we were both on the wrong side of this one. Definitely didn't see uh, that dominance coming. But um, congrats to the Bucks, and you know, whatever. Brady got another one. Who cares? He'll probably get one next year too. Yeah, I would assume so. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks are the second most likely team to win the Super Bowl next year, according to the odds, eight and a half to one. The Chiefs are the favorite at five and a half to one. There have been two Super Bowls since 1973 in which one team scored zero touchdowns. And that would be my L.A. Rams against the Patriots and uh, this game with the Chiefs. uh, It is just so brutal to watch. The Seahawks-Broncos blowout. We snuck one in with like two minutes left to lose them like 53-8. to (laughs) Congrats on uh, not making it on that list. There's nothing like the ultimate failure of never being able to find the end zone one time. But let's head to the AB stat corner to break this game down. Mahomes scrambled for 497 total yards before attempting a pass. That is the most of any QB, any game, all season. I've heard a lot this week people saying that he actually played great. I've heard that a few times. People saying that he was bad. Heard that too. Uh, What percentage of the blame would you place on Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I mean, he's going to get some just because he's he's the quarterback. That's where everybody looks the first time. We knew those two linemen were going were going to be out coming into the game. That's what a lot of people talked about during the the week leading up to the game. But I don't think anybody could have predicted it would have been that bad. It looked like these backups had never tried to block anyone in the history of their lives. Um, Mahomes definitely could have played better, but I also don't think he played as horrible. I mean, he made some crazy throws that could have easily been caught. His receivers didn't really help him out. Obviously, he has that one everybody's been seeing where he dives and he's barely above the ground. He flicks it 35 yards downfield. I think that's the one that hit off Tyreek Hill's helmet that he could have caught. Could have been a touchdown. Yeah, the A-Rod slide throw that he made on fourth down, that actually hit Daryl Williams oh, in the face. Yeah, classic. There, there was the other one in the game that um, hit Tyreek Hill in the head, which it was a tough play. There was like four people around, but those are the ones that he's been catching his whole career. Would have been a touchdown. And then the one that I think was the biggest one of the whole game, it was uh, still a seven-point game. He makes a throw to Kelsey down the sideline. One of the few times that he really wasn't that pressured. He hits Kelsey right in the hands. He drops it. Next play, dude shakes, shanks a punt after 
um, after a penalty on the previous punt, and the Bucks score like three plays later to go up 14, and after that, it was pretty much over. The Chiefs receivers absolutely didn't help them out at all, and I think looking back on it, like things could have been different if that first quarter, second quarter would have gone a little better for the Chiefs, but man, I mean, what if Lamar Jackson would have played like that? I, I just couldn't help. I know me and Dylan were saying that during the Super Bowl, but I, I just feel like he takes a lot of blame for running around going crazy. Like he doesn't wait long enough before he takes off out of the pocket. And that's all Mahomes did the whole game. And I know that they got dominated up front and I think we can draw back to a bunch of different points. I mean, how many times are they going to try to get Daryl Williams the ball? They act like Daryl Williams is like prime Barry Sanders or something. Just got to feed him over and over again. Clyde Edwards, Alaire played a pretty decent game, but still uh, Daryl Williams has taken half the snaps. It was very odd, but Man, if Lamar played like that, I think the headlines would have been a lot different. I mean, I feel like 80% of what you've heard in sports media is like, hey, Mahomes was great. Yeah, I did. Greatest incomplete passes ever. Yeah, I definitely don't think he was great. I don't think he was miserably bad. But then, like you said, some of the games that Lamar gets those criticisms for, he also wasn't bad. Like The quarterback doesn't control everything, even though they are the face. They're always going to be the first thing talked about. Uh, yeah, it was, still, it was still probably the worst game of Mahomes' career. I mean, that's not saying much considering – this guy usually doesn't have bad games, but yeah, um, I guess we'll see how he bounces back next year, but definitely a forgettable game for Mahomes. And the thing is, he didn't really play good last Super Bowl either until the last 12 minutes of the game. So he's lucky that he won last Super Bowl. Or there might be a little narrative starting to form about him. Yeah, and, uh, you know, maybe there should be. But to be fair, they had actually never lost a game by more than one score in any start that Mahomes had had so far. And that's funny comparing it to the Super Bowl because they actually didn't score more than one time. They scored zero times. But, you know, the Buccaneers won, and they deserve a ton of credit. They have a lineup kind of built like a Madden Ultimate team, uh, better at basically every single position. Fournette, Devin White, better receiving core, better secondary, way better offensive and defensive line. You and I were blinded by the lights there. We, we should have saw this coming. Like right when the game started, I just felt like, you know, I mean, they, they punted back and forth for a little bit. But once the Buccaneers got on the board and we saw how easily Fournette and Ronald Jones were running the ball, I felt like they could have done that all game and possibly beat them by a lot more. Yeah, you kind of knew that um, the Bucks were probably at least the right side gambling-wise throughout the first quarter. You just don't really see the Chiefs come out and punt back-to-back drives like that, and much less – four out of five times going three and out or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, the the crazy thing about this Bucks winning is I don't – I mean, their defense definitely played their best game in the Super Bowl, but I don't think their offense played a very good game in the entire playoffs. I mean, they, they barely held off the football team. The Saints game, their defense completely won them that game with a pick six and then forcing a turnover, running it back. Um, yeah, I mean, Brady and Gronk did uh, – shout out Gronk for reemerging after being – absolutely irrelevant the entire mostly season and definitely the entire playoffs up until this point um they, they made a couple plays um got helped out by a couple pi calls but they did enough and their defense balled out so i think the craziest thing is they didn't their offense never really like shocked you in any of the four games they won and they still were able to win all of the games easily besides the saints game was kind of up in there they were losing most of that game but every other game they were in control of for basically the entire game yeah, 100%. And looking back on it, I mean, they were bigger, faster, stronger, and perhaps most importantly, they just wanted it more than the Chiefs did in their boat parade they did. It, it looked sick. It, it looked like they had fun. But I, I will say, I think the Packers playing the Chiefs in this game, if they found a way to beat the Bucks in Green Bay a few weeks ago, 
I thought that um, it would have looked similar. I, I thought Rodgers dealt with what Mahomes dealt with a lot better than what Patrick Mahomes did out there. I mean, uh, the Packers were missing their best tackle too. Rodgers had no time. At least the Packers went out there and scored 26 points. I mean, it, it should have been more than that. They, they kicked that weird field goal on fourth down. I, I do think that the Packers would have done this to the Chiefs too, looking back on it. I, I think that the AFC just it wasn't as strong as the NFC. I, I think even the Saints – you know, take Breeze out of there, replace him with a lot of different guys. I don't know if Breeze can score 31 points on anybody at this point, but I, I think that we kind of, we just overhyped the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback. No, I agree. The NFC was definitely stronger, and I definitely, I thought the Packers were going to come out of the NFC pretty easily, but um, they didn't. So, yeah, shout out to the Bucks, and it's kind of weird that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the champions, but I guess that's the the Brady and Gronk effect. Yeah, 100%. And uh, let's not forget that Jared Goff and the Rams went into Tampa Bay and uh, beat them rather easily. Uh, crazy betting stats on the game. The Chiefs were 40 to 1 to not score a single touchdown. Who's betting that in this game? Who's got the balls to bet that? Exactly. I mean, if I would have done that, everything would be okay. And uh, I, I never thought the game would go that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, the, eight, the 80 to 1 offensive lineman touchdown was so close. damn close. How do you even know that they run that play? Uh, Gronk to score the first touchdown was a seven-figure loss for FanDuel Sportsbook. It was the second most bet on first touchdown score only after Patrick Mahomes running it in. Nice. I was on that one. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Classic. And then uh, and the weekend, his halftime show, I don't think I've ever seen something that was so simultaneously loved slash hated by half of America's population. What did you think of it? I think it was just one of those things that um, if you're a weekend fan, you probably liked it because he was out there singing a bunch of good songs that you like. And if you're not a weekend fan, you're like, who is this guy? What is he doing? A bunch of weird stuff. My mom said that uh, it was the worst halftime show she'd ever seen. And then I, yeah. I told her that I have con- t- tickets to his concert next year. And she said, oh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> okay, don't try to make me feel better now. Like, No, that's nice of her. I enjoyed it because I enjoy the weekend. I enjoy his new album. I enjoy his old songs. So. I enjoy it. I don't really care about all the flashy stuff. I just like to hear the songs. Uh, the hallway is a nice little meme of him walking through the hallway, looking around every which way. But you know, I thought it was I thought it was solid. I don't think it was the best halftime show we've seen in the last ten years, but I don't think it was the worst either. Yeah, uh, Starboy Red Jacket told you uh, I, I I liked it, and I think you hit it on the head. If you like. You go to a concert, any concert that you've ever been to, and you know the songs, you like the person singing them, you're going to have a better time. And The weekend sounds phenomenal out there. He's got the voice of an absolute angel. I thought the songs he picked worked perfectly, and I really enjoyed it. I didn't think it was too long. I thought it was creative. He did a lot of different stuff. I, I cannot believe that people want J-Lo and Shakira out there so bad again. I mean, half of their songs were in a different language. No offense to the other languages, but they sang like 22 songs. And I mean, I liked that. I appreciate music. I just, I can't believe it. I mean, you, you haven't had a live performance in over a year, America. And he went out there and he sounds like a fucking God and everybody just wants to tear him down. I just don't get it. Yeah, uh, I think you got some unnecessary hate from uh, all the boomers out there, all the adults, you know. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're, they hate all this um, rap generation, whatever. And he didn't even really sing like any, he didn't sing any of his like dirty songs or anything. So I know. I don't know. I liked it. Um, I probably wouldn't rank it in the top five of our 
existence. But uh, you know, I like it. I love. I'm always going to support whatever the weekend does. Me too. Love that guy. Loved his red jacket. Loved everything about it. Sue me. All right. Red lines. Here we go. WKU, Bellarmine, Louisville, Moorhead State, Eastern Kentucky, Murray State, and Northern Kentucky are all over 500. That's every D1 team in the state except for one, the Kentucky Wildcats, who, oh, really? who are now 5-13, and 13, making them eight games below 500. Care to comment? Uh, no. See, it's been over for a month. What do you think of that? lost to Arkansas last night because they, they were really close. And after the game, Calipari gave a really passionate speech about how close they were. And your all social media team kind of put it out there with a, some dramatic music. You know, I'm not going to like the team is very bad. It's nobody's fault, but there's cows, all that. But I do feel bad for them because they have just some heartbreaking losses. They had that one. They lost on the game winning layup against Georgia. They lost they had a game winner roll out against Louisville and Notre Dame, which they got down 24 at Notre Dame, so whatever. And then they, I mean, they've had so many losses. They've led in the second half in 13 of their 18 games, and they're 5-13, and 13, which, like I said, it's their fault. They can't close a game. But I do feel bad for the kids that came to Kentucky because they don't get the Kentucky experience. But, you know, Duke sucks too. Kansas, yeah, Kansas, not very good. North Carolina, not very good. North Carolina might make the tournament, but they're not going to do anything. So, the Blue Bloods are just the Blue Bloods can't handle this this COVID year, and we're the worst example of that because we had one returning player, and it was Keon Brooks, yeah, who didn't play for a month and a half. The one and done era doesn't look as good this year. That's that's basically it. All these teams that usually reload every year instead of actually trying to develop players that are within their program aren't doing very well. And Kentucky's all either go to the draft or they transfer to another school and end up being pretty good or being pretty bad. But they're only there for like a year or two. And I, I just wonder what this Kentucky team looks like next year because I, I think that a lot of these guys that had draft stock, they probably don't have it anymore. I know Boston's the only one that's still currently slated in most first-round projections for whatever reason. And I don't think any of these other guys are going to be welcome back. Um, I would like to see... Keon come back. I'd like to see Mintz come back. I know he's like a senior, but I'm pretty sure there's no rules this year as far as eligibility. So I'd like to see Mintz and Keon back. Uh, Saw he can go wherever else he wants. I don't. I don't care to see him back. Would love to see Isaiah Jackson back. Um, other than that, you know, Jacob Toppin will be back. He wasn't even supposed to. Play what do you think year. about throwing the ball to Saar, 75 yeah. feet away from the basket? Not the move, but you know, whatever. Yeah, you just like to get a shot up there. Yeah, you know? we were gonna have to. It was gonna be a pretty deep three, and that's not really our specialty anyway. So, but yeah, I don't really understand that. I don't understand one of the guards not going to get the ball, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, you're not the coach. I'm not the coach. We're zero and zero, and if you want to count our gambling records, we're actually much worse than that. Uh, Chris Beard had one of the most hilarious objections of all time last night after a home loss to West Virginia. Yeah, I was crying. Um, I don't really know. I, I didn't really see the play before because I was watching without the sound, but I saw him fall on the ground and act like he was calling T. I don't know if his player did that or West Virginia player did that. He, He's a West Virginia player, uh, yeah. Did they they gave him the timeout and he's saying that he walked first? Is that what happened? Yeah, I think they actually yeah. ended up calling a foul on the play. Yeah, that's like one of the biggest coach meltdowns you'll ever see. And the game was pretty much over. It was like a six or seven point game with like – 45 seconds left and he walks across and daps up Huggins just <laughs> run sprints off floor it was hilarious by the way that's the uh that's the next Kentucky head coach by the way Chris Beard yep 
Yeah, I mean, he uh, he looks like he's mentally built for it. But as as for someone that hates referees, everything about him, thinks that they're almost always wrong, especially the first half of the Super Bowl. We're not even going to get into it. It's so f- atrocious. But anyway, I, I totally get it. You know, sometimes you just lose your mind out there. And uh, you know, I, if you walk out of there and you show so much class, you're never going to get to say your piece. You're never – by him doing that, maybe somebody looks at the kind of job they did and if he was right – Maybe they at least, you know, have something said to him about it. I totally support how Chris Beard acted. Yeah, I like when coaches get fired up because they, I mean, they care about winning. And like I said, the game was pretty much over at that point anyway. So it's not like he really hurt his team. I mean, they could have still had a, I guess, like a miracle comeback, but I don't think it was uh, in the cards. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and McClung already found out they were not going to win. Uh, MLB, Trevor Bauer signed with the Dodgers in one of the lamest moves of all time, giving them a rotation of Kershaw, Bauer, Walker Bueller, David Price, and Julio Urias. On paper, one of the best rotations of all time. Not great for people that like cheering for other MLB teams. Yeah, the MLB is so stupid with their no-cap rule. Like, how is that a thing? If that was a thing in the NBA or the NFL, then every sport would end up being like this. Everybody would go to... LA or New York or Miami or whatever. And it's just, um, I mean, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but it, I hate when teams get stacked like that. And it's not even fun to like watch. Like, like yeah, the- baseball is probably the sport where you can like win with less talent, I guess, because it only takes just a couple good pitchers out there. But yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be tough to beat them. They were already, I mean, they won it all this year. They were already the best team in the league and they just got even better. Yeah, they definitely got a little better there. The Pirates have $30 million payroll going into this year. They don't really care. They're totally content with losing for the next 20 years. But you have the Dodgers who have a $300-plus million payroll. Crazy that they play in the same league. Makes uh, very little sense. The MLB also made news by officially deadening the baseball after the home run spike in 2019. David Price, who I just mentioned, came out and said, hey, the pitchers all knew that this was going on, which is true. Verlander and Trevor Bauer also said the same thing. But, you know, that's just not as fun. Less home runs. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves to see home runs and strikeouts, and that's pretty much all the baseball in 2021 is. So, you know, I'm here for it. I like to see, I like to see runs being scored and – all that, so yeah, at least they're yeah, all, at least gonna, they're open about it. <laughs> yeah, the Cubs could really use some help scoring. Let me tell you, I mean, I, I can't imagine us scoring less. So, not looking forward to that. Your Detroit Pistons defeated the Nets last night, proving that they can only beat the NBA's best. Blake Griffin had nine points, five rebounds in thirty-one minutes of playing time, and he has not had a dunk in an NBA game since December fifth, two thousand nineteen. That is astounding. Yeah, it's really sad. I love Blake Griffin, both the player and um, off the court. He's probably my favorite NBA athlete. Just He's a hilarious guy. But uh, it's really sad. I mean, all the knee injuries have really caught up to him. This Pistons team, horrendous, but they've beaten the Nets, Lakers, Celtics, Sixers, uh, and the Suns. So we have six wins. That's five of them. And, uh, you know, this Nets team, I mean, I've said it a hundred times, but they're, they're not going to win anything. They can't stop anybody. Yeah, they have to make a move, which I, I don't know how that works. I don't think they have any money left. I'm pretty sure they're already over the cap, but uh, who knows? We don't understand any of the rules about any of that stuff, but they're definitely going to have to do something. It is sad that Blake Griffin can no longer get off the ground. Him and Chris Paul have some of the coolest alley-oop highlights of all time. But, you know, at least uh, the Pistons have like a top five NBA player in Jeremy Grant. So I don't yeah, think that you know, it's gonna probably wasted, but yeah. They're not going to vote him to be an all-star, and I'm going to get so mad. It's because he's Jeremy Grant. I watch a lot of NBA. That guy's an all-star. 
He's incredible. Yeah, he's very good. And uh, should have a top three pick coming. So maybe uh, I, I love what the Pistons are doing with all this um, like low risk, high reward guys like Brian Dennis Smith Jr., who hasn't been good since his rookie year. But Derrick Rose is on the last year of his contract. And I mean, what's he doing? He's putting up 15 points for a team that's not going to win anything. So I wish he would went to a better contender, but I like the move. Uh, they brought Josh Jackson in, who's been way better this year than he has at any point in his career. So. I mean, the youth movement is on Detroit. It's nice to actually have a direction, like complete rebuild instead of the last five years where we have Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson and all these older guys like trying to fight for the eight seed with Andre Drummond. I'm happy that we're finally in full rebuild. Sadiq Bay, great rookie too. Yeah, there you go. Way to be positive. We need more of that. Talk of my former home. I, I couldn't believe this when I saw this on my Twitter timeline last night, but DeSales High School has a young man a point guard named Devin Perry. He scored 40 points last night on what would have been the state champions last year, the male Bulldogs. How in the world does DeSales feature a player like this? I, I don't know, but it is so awesome. I watched the highlight video. He's got the shakes that'll make you quick, the fries that'll cross your eyes, and is immediately the best DeSales athlete that I've ever seen. I can't believe it because DeSales already has a center Seku, who I, I watched him last year once. He's 6'10". He dunks the ball constantly. He looks so out of place on the DeSales High School basketball team. But this point guard is spectacular. I can't believe I hadn't really heard of him until two weeks ago, talking to Jake Kale and the Holy Cross freshman basketball coach about how good he is. And 40 points on male high school. That, that is absurd. DeSales has now beat male and Trinity this year. What is going on? Is it, what year is this guy? He's a senior. Okay, he's a senior. Nobody heard him for this year? He transferred? Uh, I guess not. Yeah, I have no idea where he's from. I have no idea how long he's been there. He doesn't look huge, but it looks like he can shoot. Nobody on mail can stay in front of him, and I'm pretty sure that mail's the best team in the state, or you know, maybe not anymore. Not anymore. Dale's Colts lurking around Kenwood, yeah. But th this is absolutely shocking. It's really cool for the sales. Uh, their, their coach is an awesome guy, Damian Anderson, but I, I – am like shocked by this. I tell you what, I mean, we lose a lot of bets on teams we never want. I wish I could get some DeSales money line action. Like, I, why? Why can we not bet on these high school kids? I, you know, that seems a little, a little immoral, but can't you bet on the Little League World Series at some places? Yeah. That seems yeah. way worse. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. It, it's definitely worse. Those kids are like 12. That sounds, um, that sounds like a, a bad way for me to tweet a 12 year old <laughs> yeah yeah we did it keep you off your phone there uh last thing on this and it's not sports related i'm sure you've seen this but kim kardashian claims right. that <laughs> her daughter painted this this photo right so her daughter her name is northwest also Kanye West's daughter yeah uh, if your last name is west why not have your name be named north it is an awesome name and you know kanye west uh, lyrical genius, as they say, and uh, Kim Kardashian, famous because her last name's Kardashian. They've they built this super being together, this seven year old that has one of the most spectacular paintings that I've ever seen. And there are actually people out there that think that she painted it. Kim Kardashian being one of them, she's posted all this stuff like, "How dare you say? How dare you even think that my daughter didn't paint this?" And there's a lot of people going to war for them, thinking that. In fact, she did paint this painting. Have you seen the painting? And do you yeah. think she painted it? Yes, I've seen the painting, and there's no way that she painted it. There's no way. She might have signed her name on the bottom right. That's about it. There is no way in hell that Kim Kardashian 
ever. All it would take to debunk these uh, these claims with one of those accelerated videos, you know, like when someone renovates a home yeah. of like her painting something, it doesn't even, it doesn't have to be that, you know, that painting's already been done, but just a good painting, like just proof of her doing it. And it would be the biggest you in the history of social media ever. If Kim Kardashian could get on there and be like, look guys, my daughter painted this, but guess what? It'll never happen because her daughter had absolutely no part in that painting's creation. No, completely ridiculous to think you can lie to 25 million people on the internet and get away with it. What a psycho. I mean, you got like a billion dollars. Why don't you just sit there? Why, why do you have to get on your phone and just blatantly make something up and just assume that America is so stupid? I, I was rather offended by this, and I, I cannot believe like that is so shocking. I, I've seen several people say that like they totally believe that her daughter did it. Like her daughter's got this insane work ethic. The hardest working seven-year-old in the world is Kanye West and Kim Kardashian's daughter. Yeah, I mean, those Kardashian fans are another breed. They're going to believe anything they say. Yeah, I guess so. It, it's pretty shocking. Uh, Brooks Kepka is back on top of the golf world after a spectacular weekend, winning the Waste Management Open thanks to a Sunday collapse by Jordan Spieth and Xander Schauffele. This weekend, we have uh, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, which leads us into our weekend watch list. This tournament is one where typically celebrities are allowed to participate. This year with the virus, it's not happening. Field is not too strong after Dustin Johnson withdrew two days ago after winning the tournament that was in Dubai this past weekend. So with things going, how they've been going for me, I'm going to take uh, this guy named Matt Jones at 45 to 1 to win. Don't know anything about him, but I just know that I don't like him. That's the, his name is Matt Jones. That's the guy that writes for Kentucky, right? He's the one golf. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, he's uh, – yeah. <laughs> Uh, Kentucky Sports Radio is going to get out there and uh, try to win me some money. So I'll go with Matt Jones because, you know, I just could not be more wrong about everything that happens in the world. So I'm going to try to hedge myself and take uh, this gentleman named Matt Jones. Nice, man. Good luck. Hey, thanks a lot. The rest of the weekend watch list. Uh, Kentucky will host Auburn this weekend at 1 o'clock in a battle of two teams that will not be making the tournament for different reasons. Any thoughts there? Uh, we already played them once. Like most teams, we had a lead in the last eight minutes and lost so uh i expect Kentucky to keep it close and probably lose at the end okay Sharif prediction is a hooper. yeah that's a nice ride uh what you should watch at one o'clock is oklahoma at west virginia two very fun teams to watch two teams both ranked in the top 15 that's also at one that should be a good one yeah oklahoma's kind of overachieved this year they lost um their best player for like two weeks and i think they only lost once they beat they jumped from number 24 to number nine in one week it was like the biggest jump in ap poll history so uh they're pretty good and west virginia got a nice win at texas tech last night so yeah the big 12 is uh probably the best conference this year yeah i think so too you could argue the big 10 but i feel like the big 10 they just all beat each other at yeah. least the big 12 kind of has those three and, or four teams solidified yeah. at the top and iowa has completely fallen off horrendous team so Big Ten doesn't even really have like a, a main front runner up there. Yeah, Ohio Iowa State, can Ohio start really me good. and my friends. Yeah, Ohio State's uh, they're pretty solid. They uh Ohio State in action at noon on Saturday hosting the Indiana Hoosiers. And also maybe the best mid-major game of the year. We got uh, Loyola, Illinois. I remember them from the Final Four. Hosting Drake Saturday at noon. They'll also play Sunday at three. Good games to watch. Yeah, Drake finally lost a game, and Mississippi Valley State finally won a game. Weird wow. week. Weird week in the mid majors. Yeah, you never know. You never know what's going to happen out there. We'll also have a battle of the Big East best, Creighton at Nova, five o'clock on Saturday. 
Get me Nova. Creighton sucks. Okay. Well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, Sunday, Michigan is thinking about coming no back way. after a two-week COVID layoff. It does not say postponed yet. Uh, the rare strand of COVID was first detected in the United States, I believe, in a Michigan athlete. It was not a member of the men's basketball program. But Michigan at Wisconsin, Sunday at 1 o'clock. As of right now, it's on. I forgot they were even a team they haven't played in so long. Yeah, I they were really took good them too. to win the title at 13-1, to 1, and then they immediately stopped playing basketball. So, always a good sign. Um, David Montgomery just tweeted that he's going to leave Chicago, pretty much. He said, playing in Chicago has been fun, and I met some great people along the way in tweet. This time last year, I might have made fun of that, but Dave Montgomery's good. Dude, yeah, the last eight games were the best eight games of his career. Kind of carried me to a fantasy title. He was RB1 in the last six weeks of the year. Yeah, I like David Montgomery a lot. Alan uh, Robinson. don't have any use for him, but... Alan Robinson has basically already said he's leaving, too, so... It's probably going to be... Yeah. Ugly. Probably going to be ugly in Chicago next year. Yeah, I want Alan Robinson to go to the Ravens, but I've been seeing a lot of football team rumors. Yeah, the football team really need a receiver. Ravens really need a receiver. The Jets, like 10 teams. Yeah, the Jets are always rumored to be in every big free agent's destination. The only one they ever got was Le'Veon Bell, and that was horrendous. So, Yeah, wouldn't expect the Jets to do much damage oh, over the next few weeks. Dolphins, too. They desperately need another receiver. Yes, very fair. Uh, some good NBA games this weekend. Friday night, we got Bucks, Jazz, Saturday, Nets, Warriors possibly KD returning against his old team. They all hate each other now. That could be fun. And then Sunday, Lakers Nuggets. Uh, we got some Australian Open this week and weekend in tennis. Champions League officially back next week. Austin, any final thoughts? Um, Nope. I think that's it. Really sad. Uh, 309 days till the NFL's back. You know, I can wait. When a Super Bowl happens like that and we get beat that badly, yeah, I can wait. Time to I can break. wait for all those teams to come back. Yeah, Got really hyped. NCAA March Madness official account tweeted, we got next. Soon as the Super Bowl ended. Great tweet. Awesome tweet. Kind of yeah. slept on. We did not have a March Madness tournament last year. No, it's not slept on. <laughs> we were really pissed. It's kind of slept on now that we got everything back, That how bad this time last year sucked. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Kind of still feels like it sucks. It does suck. Everything sucks. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what it is. Yeah. But it doesn't feel that much better. As long as we get a March Madness tournament, it's going to feel great on that. Not that opening Thursday because we're not doing that this year. That opening Friday, it's going to be a great feeling. All right. Austin, that was great. And now it's time for the greatest show ever. You know, really, really turn it around. Uh, ABC 8 o'clock must see TV now without football. Wow, electrifying stuff going on in the show. I can't wait for me and Lexi Browning to break it down. Here it is, The Match. Oh, All right, Bachelor Red Talk Week 6. Are you serious? We just started. <laughs> that was a lag. I definitely said Taylor Swift before you started. But anyway, Taylor Swift's guitarist just no, liked no, my it, comment. What? <laughs> That's you it. That's why you stopped the show. All right. <laughs>
All right, come on. Lock in here. One, two, three, go. Bachelor Red Talk, week six. Lexi Browning is here. This show has gotten a lot better, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Victoria Larson is not here, and that is just wonderful. want to go ahead and get that out of the way. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, it's a really good thing that we liked last week's episode where they were really finally making connections because this week we're going to just take a big step back into some unnecessary drama. Yeah, there has to be some drama within this show. It wouldn't be The Bachelor without it. But I, I did like this week's episode. I, I thought it was decent. I enjoyed certain parts of it. I thought the drama was just a little bit better because I don't hate anyone as much as I hate Victoria. Victoria did make a public statement finally. I think we've all been waiting for it. And uh, she posted on her Instagram 10 hours ago, quote unquote, oh my God, her eyes are so swollen. Why doesn't she do her makeup like this on the show? Her body doesn't look so great. She looks so much uglier on the show. She's a catfish, such a bully, toxic, and that's just a little about me. I roll. So that's what uh, that's how Victoria feels about her elimination and uh, what America is saying about her. It makes me really happy to know that she's realized that everybody wishes that she would disappear. Yeah, I see she's still not really taking accountability. She's just going to show a mirror back to the haters and, yeah, expect better for some reason. I have no idea why she would expect anyone to not be bullying her at this time. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's crazy. You still go through these comments and like the first comment, the most liked comment on this post says, funniest girl I've ever seen on reality TV. You carried this season of The Bachelor. Next most liked comment is funny. You didn't look at all like this on the show. Not one bit. So I'll like that one. Thank you to that person. It's, it's hard to get a mean comment off on Victoria's post because comments are limited. But this week, we started off with uh, the finale of the Jacinia versus MJ war. Lexi, these two are not friends. Both talk, but neither listen Matt gets both sides of the story eventually, so we're going to have an answer. MJ fluffs her hair and immediately remembers who she is. This fight got nasty. Both of them calling each other a weak. Jacinia calls MJ Meredith, which I guess was way more offensive than the weak thing. I don't know. It's like her first name, but uh, that's enough. MJ gets tossed. Uh, I can't believe she didn't stab anyone on the way out. This is a. Yeah, and I do think in my heart of hearts that Matt did like MJ a little more, but he sort of just had to send her home off of principle. And it's also, in my opinion, that he should have just ejected both of them, pulled a Tasha and just sent them both home because I really haven't seen any connection between him and Jacinia, and we never saw why she was given the rose. Like, we just sort of see her show up at the cocktail party with one in hand. So I was just curious about that. Like what, why did he keep her? Yeah, very good point. She did absolutely nothing to kind of win this. It was very weird. I, I thought it was going to be a situation where both were kept around basing it off what we had seen so far. Like Anna and Victoria both made egregious mistakes. I thought MJ was just kind of mean, but we learned in this episode, several of the other ones are 
are kind of mean too. I definitely am glad MJ's gone. Don't get me wrong, but Jacinia is going to get a one-on-one next week. Looks like they're going to be in some bumper cars. Man, I can't wait for that. But Jacinia, she comes back with a rose for whatever reason. Crowd goes absolutely nuts. So now everyone's friends. No more drama. The end. Wrong. The 14th cocktail party of the season is immediately canceled. So that's, I think, 11 of 14 we've had canceled now. And it's going to be followed by the roast ceremony. So now everyone's pissed again. And Serena C., America's new most hated woman, is just really pissed at Katie for some reason about this. And uh, yeah, this is a big topic tonight. Yeah, she thinks that if bullying and toxicity were never even brought up in the first place, then she would probably have more time. And it's like, I'm sorry, were you having a better time when Victoria was here? Like, shut the hell up, Serena. Shut up. Yeah, I just don't understand it. Like, her saying that is basically saying that what Victoria and Anna were doing was okay. And that's such a weird stance to take. And again, there's just no accountability on this show. None of these women want to be like, yeah, I haven't done enough to get more time with Matt. I need to be more outgoing and stuff. It always has to be somebody else's fault. But I don't know. I mean, this Serena Seagirl's brutal. I I hate her so much immediately. And, And you know what? This show does a good job of that. They won't let you go more than like five minutes of showtime where you're not sitting there and you absolutely know who you hate the most. It won't let it happen. It's true. It's a major driving force of the show, which definitely does get old. But yeah, so we're going to continue to hate Serena C. Put a pin in that because it will pop up again later on tonight. But in the meantime, this cocktail or this uh, cocktail party yeah, is canceled and someone needs to check on Ryan's well-being Someone sedate her. She's not doing okay. She can correctly sense that without this time to really prove herself with Matt, that she will be booted tonight. And man, is she not taking it well. Yeah, it, that's nice to see. I mean, Ryan really, really cared about the show. It seems like she was there for the right reasons and uh, didn't work out well for her. So we go into the rose ceremony and Jasenia, Rachel, and Rachel, Abigail, and Kit have roses. So three girls are going to go home. Seven roses are on the table. Here we go. So this is who advanced. Serena P., Michelle, Piper, Bree, Chelsea, Katie, and Serena C. I think everybody was devastated to see that. But if you watch the previews, you know that that Katie thing is not going to end right there. So those we lost along the way. My girl, Brittany. Lil Galvin, hashtag free Britney. I'll scream it forever. It applies here as well. Matt clearly thought she was an escort. I, I hate to say that. It, I, I didn't like a lot of things Matt did in this episode. This was one of them. Uh, that's basically the only reason she was on the show to get called an escort and then say that she wasn't an escort, make it one more week, never get to talk to him again, and then get immediately ejected. Didn't think she was treated fairly there. I also saw that on her Instagram story, I'm a big follower of her now, she said that she had a granola bar in her thong during the uh, rose ceremony. She came out, so that's some some news that a lot of people probably don't know. So, yeah, going to miss Brittany a lot. Okay, wow, that uh, granola bar comment really threw me for a loop there. But I mean, yeah, I think that 
Brittany was done wrong here. Like, she really did deserve better. You're right. The only reason she was on the show is to just slander her name and then send her home. And I think she deserved closure, or at least I deserved closure, because she was someone that we really knew a lot about. And there's no way that he just, like, sent her home with nothing. Like, why didn't we see any of that? He didn't even walk her out. Yeah, she didn't even get to give a closing statement where the dramatic music's in the background and just her voice is playing while they're showing other stuff. Even Maggie got to do that, who we also, we also lost along the way. She shouldn't want to be with Matt anyway. Uh, she seems nice. He can't dance at all. She's really into dancing. So even she got to say, like, yeah, I hope someone's out there for me. She left in a very classy manner. Shout out to her. But, like, Brittany didn't even get that. They wanted her gone so quickly. I, I don't understand it. And then... Ryan, the dance choreographer, people may forget Ryan is a national hero. Ryan going to Matt and saying that Victoria called her a hoe is the single reason somehow, the only reason legitimately that Victoria got sent home, even though she committed 3,678 other crimes. So, uh, yeah, I didn't like that. Ryan was like torn up about this. She was really, really upset. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of girls left in the house at this point and still even after this episode that probably care cared a lot less than Ryan did. I mean, maybe, but I don't know if her care was well placed because I'm like, there's no way you're really this upset to be breaking up with Matt like you have been here for three weeks maximum. How much time have you had with them? I feel like she's more upset Maybe that the opportunity didn't work out more so than like a marriage with Matt. That's a that's a very fair point. I, I can totally see that. You know, Matt kind of sucks, so I don't I don't think Ryan's missing out on anything there. But that leaves us with Serena P, C, Michelle, Abigail, Piper, Bree, Chelsea, Katie, Kit, Rachel, and Jasenia. The final eleven. Here we go. You know, it it feels like we've been watching this show forever. And we finally get to the point where we can actually like make predictions on who's going to win, who's going to get to the final four. The whole damn thing so far has just been about girls yelling at each other, saying mean stuff. We can finally have a show. That's nice. I feel like when you get to the 11, you start to remember people. You start to get mad when people are leaving. And you start to see people become legitimate candidates for Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah, I completely agree, which is why I feel like I was a little bit frustrated with this episode, mainly because of this Serena and Katie bullshit, which now we're at the point in the episode where Serena walks up, she knocks on the door, and she's like, hey, Katie, um, I just came up here to re-argue with you about the same thing, and Katie has zero tolerance for this here. I was a little bit shocked at Katie at how aggressive she was. I mean, she physically and verbally rejects Serena here. And I mean, was it warranted? I'd say yes, but I do feel like it was a little bit more aggressive than it needed to be. I like it. You know, Katie's not taking any and we said last week, you know, after seeing some of the previews, like, hey, we like to walk back what big fans we are, Katie. I, I followed her on Instagram. I still follow her on Instagram after this. I love the way that she handled this whole thing because Serena C is like the biggest hypocrite possibly in the history of the show outside of Victoria Larson. I mean, she 
is so mad about all this drama and this toxicity and she goes and starts it back up. I think we both know Katie would have never mentioned it to her again. She knows that Serena C is very irrelevant. She could never even be present on Paradise because she is such a little part of this show. This argument was the only reason she was ever on TV in the first place. I, I couldn't believe she was still here, but by Serena C starting this argument, basically trying to tear Katie down, she's basically saying that what Victoria and Anna did was okay and that she supports it. But thank you for your feedback, Serena. Love the way Katie talks to people. Yeah, I mean, last week I was really nervous because I was like, okay, if Katie's going to get in another altercation, then I am getting really nervous here because that is a lot of altercations that she's been involved with at this point. But here's the thing. This is nothing new that Katie has done. This is something that is old and squashed, already been taken care of, that Serena wants to re-trudge up. And like, you have an issue with all this drama. Well, now you're the one that's creating the drama. I don't know. And I feel like the truth is, is that you're not mad at Katie. You're mad that you know that you're losing. 100%. Could not agree more with all of that. And you know, Serena goes and she tries to tattle to all her friends and Katie walks in. What are you talking about? Like, I just think that Katie is is hard. Hard is the word for it. You know, she's badass and she's not. She might take from somebody who might win the show, but she didn't take to damn Serena C. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, this girl is. Oh, it, that's what sucks about the show at this point is, you know, that some of these people are irrelevant. You know, spoiler alert, Katie's going to end up going home at the end of this episode. And it, it sucks to know that Serena C finds out about that and feels like she won in any sense of the word. Like, I, I just hate, hate that part so much. Yeah, I mean, Serena just caught her on the wrong day. Like, Katie was hyped up from her soccer practice that she had just left, which is the only reason I can imagine she was wearing those socks and she came in and was like oh no no don't let me stop you continue Serena like what were you gonna say Serena's like oh well I was just telling them about how you said that you were not here for Matt and Katie's like okay obviously I said nothing like that but go off and you're right it was just a lot of big energy from Katie and I I just love the girl I love her too I'm uh, all for Katie and right after this ends, we finally get some uh, answers, slight answers. They still leave us with a massive cliffhanger on Miss Heather Martin. She appears for one of the most staged appearances in show history, which takes a lot. Just when you think you've seen it all, says Chris Harrison. I mean, he thinks that this audience is full of absolute morons. There is no way he didn't know she was coming. The way that this went down when she pulled up in the minivan, this was like borderline disrespectful to Bachelor Nation. The way that he acted seeing her there for the first time. The worst acting I've ever seen in my life. Chris Harrison is also a producer on this show. So the fact that he tried to feign ignorance is laughable. You're right. It is offensive that he would try to just lie to our faces in this way. It was, yeah, atrocious. He would have been better off walking up there and saying, Heather, I told you not to come here. I, I told you not to come. Why do you not listen to me? 
I am Chris Harrison. Like if he would have done that, it still wouldn't have been like totally believable. But that was such a better way to go on about it. Why, why do I have a better idea sitting in my apartment room than Chris Harrison does, the multi-trillion dollar man? I just don't understand why there aren't more conversations about stuff like this. Hmm. What's more believable here based on everything we've done with this franchise? Atrocious. We're going to come back to Heather. But Matt and Piper, they head out into the woods. Lanterns on. We got some major like headless horseman vibes here. But it looks like it's going to be this season's scary date, the little horror date that they sometimes do. We saw Easy and Tasha do it last season. But instead, it's. But what should I scream for? This is my theme park. It's kind of nice, right? Like, I feel like they had a pretty good time at the Chris Harrison State Fair. And uh, they get their romantic dinner after. Matt's kind of rubbing her leg. And my take on this is physical attraction-wise, in just that category, I think Matt likes Piper the most. Remember the pig fest date where they're all out there rowing in the mud, how he, like, stopped her in the moment interview and uh, just Frenched her, like, right in front of everybody else? So I think that she has that going for her. They get the live performance from a band at the end of it, which basically locks her into the final four if we've learned anything from the show. How do you feel about Piper? I really like Piper. I liked how she was talking about how she wants to be able to vocalize about how she feels things. That was a really good way to open up about her family and her childhood. And she was able to say, like, I don't want to bring that into our relationship. So I just want to tell you that I am falling in love with you, Matt. And you could feel that there's something there. Like, they are good together. But I would like to note that he does not say it back the way that he did with Rachel. That did stand out to me. But, I mean, I do really like them together. And those serenade dates are always so awkward. But they did just make out the entire time. So I'd say it went well. Yeah, it was a good date. The only thing I don't like about Piper is something that's out of her control. And maybe it's not even necessarily me that doesn't like it. It's just not great. You know, Piper is not an awesome name. Do you know uh, the former R&B star, now most hated man in the world, R. Kelly? R. Kelly has several different nicknames. He goes by Kells. Uh, the other one is also the Pied Piper. That is, uh, he calls himself that a lot. If you've seen the R. Kelly documentaries, you've seen him referred to that. I think there's a whole episode where they talk about that nickname and why he's named that. R. Kelly is not a good guy. If you haven't seen the R. Kelly Netflix documentary, Wow, blows your mind. The first episode, he marries a 12-year-old, and then every episode after that, he gets worse as a human being. Definitely recommend watching. It's very interesting. But yeah, her name being Piper, I can't stop thinking about Kells. Really? Because that, that name reminds me of Orange is the New Black. Also not good. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you're not going to believe this, but I actually couldn't get into Orange is the New Black. It wasn't a show that I liked very much. You didn't try hard enough because that actually is a banger of a show. Okay. So at this moment in time, there's so much going on. Like simultaneously, we got Matt and Piper. They're still on their date. Heather is quarantining, waiting for her opportunity to get in the ring. Every opportunity that Heather's on the screen, by the way, they are playing clown music. That's not great. You know, until she finally enters the building at the end. So I'm thinking... 
things aren't looking good for Heather based on the musical score. The rest of the girls are waiting on their group date announcement. They finally get it. Everyone but Katie and Piper is going to be on this date. Katie's going to get the one-on-one. And they're going bowling. Hell yeah. Fun fact about me, I f- love bowling. Finally, a productive date where we can see what these girls are made of. Everyone's having a good time because how could you not? They're bowling. We got two teams, the pink petals against the blue bombshells. And I'm thinking, whoever bowls the best here, that really makes them stand out to me. And maybe that's just me sitting at home watching this, but I'm really, really excited for this day. So the thing about this uh, competition is really interesting. They do combined score for this bowling match. So the blue bombshells, they got five people. And the pink petals, they got four. Combined score. The team with four beats them. Michelle comes through, D1 athlete after all. I mean, the blue team should not get any time next week for what a poor performance they had in this bowling match. And the way Matt ends up going about this, my God, it made me so mad. (laughs) I mean, that date looked so lit. They were like on the ground laughing and celebrating with each other. And it showed like a montage of just gutter after gutter after gutter. But then it starts getting really intense and it's like strike after strike after strike. And I'm getting like pretty sweaty because I really suck at bowling. So if this was me, like. Yeah, you're bad. I don't know what I would do. Like I would just have to accept like much like Serena C is going to here in these coming weeks. Like I'm just I got to pack my bags and get out of here because I don't have a prayer. But anyway, yeah. They all, the blue team loses with their extra player and all, and they go home real sad and they just whine like you cannot get enough of, of, oh, I just don't get enough time. Like you said last week, like we piled it on again this week, no doubt, just for Chris Harrison to show up and be like, psych, you're all invited, you losers, get ready. Yeah, I mean, strike and spare me here. This was unbelievable. Like, it's one thing if you want to complain about not getting time if you're on this group date and other people are kind of just being more outgoing than you. That's all good. But for them to clearly state the rules of a competition, you lose while being at an advantage of having a whole other person. And Lexi, I've seen you bowl before. Most comparable to Kit on the show in terms of bowling skills. You and Kit, same type of bowling package out there. But I just couldn't believe this. I mean, Matt, Matt played college football at Wake Forest. And don't get me wrong, like Wake Forest has not been very good since 2007. So his competition motor just clearly doesn't exist. But big participation trophy guy when it's convenient for him. I thought that this was atrocious. The other four girls are pissed. Thank God he ends up giving the like group rose date to Michelle, who was the best bowler there. I like to think it has something to do with it. He's like, now that, that date's not all about who's the best bowler. Michelle's like, damn. So she clearly was like a dog on the lanes. But if he would have given that group date rose to somebody in the blue, my God, that, that would have been social suicide, at least for one person, me, Will, uh, in, in my eyes, in terms of Matt James. Thank God he didn't, but inviting them all back, it's it's like, d- dude, these aren't third graders playing on a soccer team that just came in fourth. They don't all need a trophy. They lost. They should suffer. Yeah, no, I really don't give a 
excited about how they did bowling. I think he made the right decision, especially since there's only nine of them. There's enough time for everyone, clearly. But I also want to throw out um, the name Chelsea and just give her an honorable mention for just hanging in there the way that she has because she is getting no time and no respect for Matt, but she's still here. I don't get it. What? Why does he want to spend more time with Kit and Serena C, the two losers of the bowling match? You want to bring them in and hang out with them some more? I don't know. It just couldn't be me. I, I wouldn't be rewarding people for failure. But Matt and Tyler C, we're finally going to meet up. You know, it's a big heartwarming moment for everyone. They play some pool. You could tell Matt is really bad at pool, and it's not something they typically do when they hang out by the one shot he attempted. Some interesting quotes from Matt here, I thought said, I've seen this process work for Tyler. And did you? Did you see it work for Tyler? Because Hannah Brown totally picked Jed Wyatt over your boy Tyler. You saw it work for him? I'm just kind of like wondering if Matt is all there, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a fair assessment after that. That's an atrocious quote. I couldn't believe he said that. But Katie and Matt, they do this impractical joker style one-on-one where Tyler C. gets a massage. The producers are thinking, okay, Tyler C.'s in the house. Him being here is great. Everybody loves Tyler C., but what can we do to get his shirt off? (laughs) That's a really good point. That did not occur to me. But, yeah, we did get a little bit of Tyler C. with his shirt off. We made it happen against all odds. They could have done a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah, got to rub him down. We got to rub around his nipples. That being said, I, you're not going to believe this, I actually didn't think this date was that funny. I guess Matt and Katie did, which is what matters, uh, but they go to dinner and he immediately tosses her. I thought this was so weird. And and yeah, again, it sucks because if it feels like Serena C1. He picks up the rose, though, and he puts it back down. It's such a cruel move, and all the leads do it, so that's not just like subjective to Matt. It's I guess it's something they're supposed to do. But God, I mean, what a move. Yeah, absolutely. He like grabs the rose. He's like, well, Katie. And then she goes on to be like, I just had so much fun tonight, blah, blah, blah. You can tell she's just completely blindsided. Like She didn't even respond for the longest whenever he told her like she's not getting the rose. You just saw her whole demeanor sink. It was really sad because I just find Katie to be so eloquent and confident. And I really liked what she was saying, like how she was like, you know, I know you're probably just reassuring every single person here nonstop, but I I hope people are taking the time to reassure you as well because like you're doing a really great job. Like that's so awesome to say. And she's right. We haven't seen anyone else even consider Matt's feelings in that way. And she got tossed, which is fine because you could tell from that date that it is more of just like a good friend vibe than it is romantic. We never really saw a romantic spark with them. I just think Katie is a great speaker. Like Katie was kind of fun to listen to talk. And that's really rare when we're watching a season of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette and you get all these people in one room. Like when Katie was riding out in the limo, And she was like, yeah, this sucks. Um, I I really could see in the future, like me and Matt and Tyler C and and my friends, like us all going to a football game and having a really good time. Like what a down to earth comment. 
Katie just seems like a normal person that probably does normal things on the weekend that people like us do and isn't like as worried about just being an Instagram model and, you, you know, like tearing other women down. Katie was involved in a lot of drama, but it seems like at all points in the show, she was trying to do the right thing. So shout out to Katie there. I liked Katie. You know, Katie and Sarah, I think that you could reasonably argue that they might have been the two best people on the show. They're not even going to make it to the Elite Eight. Wow, that's a really good point. And I'm not going to say that Matt made the wrong decision sending her home because, like I said, there wasn't that, like, romantic connection. But I do think he should be really thankful that she was a part of his cast because she was, like, sort of a guiding light for him and sort of pointing him in the right direction, a.k.a. just away from Victoria. What a hero. We don't know if this is true or not. It's it's not really a spoiler in any way because Katie's gone, but a lot of rumors that Katie's going to be the next Bachelorette. So if that happens, then f*** you, Serena C., who got the last laugh now. So hopefully that ends up happening at this point. There is no other girl in this cast so far where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd much rather see her be the Bachelorette than Katie. There's nobody like that on Peter's season outside of Victoria Fuller. And I think me and Shay Martin are the only two people that want to see that. So, you know, we, we just make up such a small portion of the population. That's probably not going to happen. So, yeah, you know, Maddie Pruitt, Hannah Ann, not interesting. I, I think we're probably looking at the next Bachelorette and Katie. I would be really excited to see that. But I still have my speculations because I did see that Katie posted on her story and was like, had the caption looking at my text like news to me. So I don't really think that she has been in the works for The Bachelor. Maybe she's just trying to throw us off the scent. Who knows? But I do think that would be a strong contender. And then hearing you just say the name Sarah, I'm like, ooh, that's tempting. I do love Sarah. That could be a good choice if she is single. Sarah's got a boyfriend. Sarah's in love with some normal person that's probably treating her well. I don't good know why. I just Sarah. Sarah doesn't need to be The Bachelorette. I can't accept that. Like, I I want you to be happy and all, but I want to be involved in some way. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, it's nice when they're on TV and we're not just looking at like one Instagram post a week. So, yeah, that's a fair point. But you never know. I mean, they, they threw us Claire Crawley, who was like 52 years old. They, they threw her on the screen out of nowhere. So it, it really could be somebody that I've never heard of. I've only been watching the show for a few seasons. But this episode... We finally flash back to the rest of the girls. Katie's bags are getting walked out. They're all ready to celebrate. And all these girls are finally excited for a normal night. A standard cocktail party, one that doesn't get canceled. It is about time, but not so fast, my friend. It's Heather time. She pulls up in the Patrick Sheehan minivan, all white. And I'll say this. She is and these other girls are pissed. Piper is the one that gets interrupted by her. She's really mad. She waited all week to have a conversation with Matt. Like, see, I guess that one-on-one just already slipped her mind, you know, <laughs> too too long ago. C- couldn't remember that she just got a one-on-one furious about that about that two minutes being ripped away from her there. You know, I get why they're pissed, though. It seems like new people have come in on this season more than ever. But Heather's in the house. I don't know if I love this storyline or not, but man, I love when Heather is on TV. I don't know about her talking as much, you know, because they play the clown music. She's trying to balance a pizza box on top of her head. I don't know what that's doing for me, but wow. I mean, 
Heather is absolutely beautiful. And in my mind, I can see how her and Matt would go together really well. Because from what we know of Heather, she's really like, I see her as kind of like a goody-goody. And you know what? Same with Matt. We call him a reverend from time to time on this show. And it just seems like they sort of align in their values and they're both really hot. And they all have like the same friends already. Like she comes in with the reference straight from Hannah Brown. That gives you a lot of leeway, I feel like. Like, he can't just send her home immediately just based off that alone. Like, you have to at least give her a chance, which we know that she will based off the preview and everyone being upset that she will be around at least until next week. And, I mean, she's absolutely stunning, although those little vlogs she was doing in her hotel room were so cringy. The, Matt, Matt, I'm Rapunzel. Oh, Lord. Like, I feel really bad for her that production made her do that. At least that's what I'm telling myself because I want to like her. Yeah, that's fair. I did not love those little scenes of her in the hotel room where they acted like she had to quarantine. Wasn't a massive fan of that, but man, I mean, she is just smoking hot. She is gorgeous. I, I don't know that I think any other girl on the show is prettier than her, and I do think it's noteworthy. There's still a lot of people left. I don't know how he's just going to send her home immediately, and that takes us to the preview because it ends with the cliffhanger of Heather being there, all the other girls pissed, and these girls are, are like peak mad, it looks like, when they start the preview, and we see Heather being like, why are they so mean? But we don't see Heather later in the preview, which worries me. She could be going home almost immediately. We'll see. We see a ton of other girls later on. We only see Heather in like that first 30 seconds of the preview. Serena C. actually called Heather a virus. I mean, really, really poor choice of words in 2021. Like, I mean, could she be any more tone deaf? Man, Serena C. sucks. But there's uh, about 10 of them left. Uh this preview looks nuts. Uh, the drama is 100% going to continue next week on The Bachelor. What's going through your mind right now? I mean, we see Heather breaking down crying, being like, I just can't believe you guys are so mean. And it's like, oh, Heather, honey, these are the nice portion of the girls. Like, you haven't even seen the mean girls. Like, you better be happy that this is what you had to walk into. And also... I thought it was funny that she, like, drove herself in this, like, beautiful gown, and then she gets there, and she can't even, like, open the door properly. Like, I don't know. She's just, like, quirky and relatable, and I like her, but I just feel like they it's just too far gone at this point. Like, Hometowns is in two weeks. I just don't see it. It, it would be a slap in the face to bring her in at this point, and I feel like he needs to strengthen these relationships, and this move is only going to – weaken his relationship so that makes me nervous that he may not end up with anyone what what are we firing at here on this show what is it like if 66 percent of the time since i've been watching the people don't end up together anyway so not a big deal if he doesn't end up with anybody i i think that these girls are definitely gonna be really pissed if he keeps her but also i think that there's like three legitimate contestants on who could actually win the show at this point they got like piper i like michelle and i like rachel 
it, that is pretty much it. it. It's really hard to like form an argument backing anybody else saying that they have a legit chance to win. Everybody likes Abigail. Bree had a great one-on-one six months ago. I, I, I don't know. Like if you just have three and you have 10 left, I, I don't see why it's that bad to keep her around. If we're seriously going to have Kit, Serena C here, Chelsea, God love her. She's nice. I don't think Matt likes her too much. I'd keep her around. If it were me, I'd keep her. I need more info about this timeline. Like, I need to know exactly when Heather decided to go be a part of this season. Like, was it really that long ago? Because I feel like Hannah got out of quarantine crew around the same time that Matt did. So why couldn't she have been there, like, on time? Like, I just want to know why we waited this long, because it really is messing with everything. If she just would have been here fair and square, we wouldn't have this issue and maybe Heather would be the one, but I feel like she's not going to get a fair shot because it's just too far gone. And when she walks in the door, Matt just dies laughing. Like it's a hilarious joke. Like he's being punked. Like he's not like Heather. Oh, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. But at the same time, it's like, what can you do? I mean, Matt's probably seen it all at this point. And I mean, Victoria Larson signs that five-week contract. They don't want to do anything during that, during her staged prop event that she did to kind of throw that off. Bachelor Nation needed to see as much as possible of that. But, I mean, who knows what we're going to see. I I felt like the preview they showed us, though, was a super preview. Like, we're not going to see all that next week. It's more like maybe two episodes built into one of previews because – Everybody was crying. We know we're going to spend like probably 20 minutes on just Senya's one-on-one. That's going to be a waste of time. Who knows? All I know is if I were Matt, I'd be keeping Heather around based on the uh, the class that I have left. Do you have anything else? Any, anything else you'd like to say on this episode? Um, just that I really want to protect Heather as much as possible because she's just so fragile and cute. And I feel like she doesn't deserve all the bullying that's going to come her way. And I use bullying really lightly, just like the rest of the people on this show. Very fair. I like Heather too. So we are on board there. I hope that she gets a fair chance. I hope they're not too mean to her. You never know. Next week, we're going to break all this down. And we are also going to discuss the new Hulu documentary on Britney Spears. I just watched it. Lexi's going to watch it too. We're going to do like 10 to 15 minutes on that. So super episode next week. Now that football's over, we have more time for like this. It's Britney yeah, facts. It is. Yeah, no doubt. So we're, we're going to talk about that. If you haven't watched it, it's like a New York Times documentary on Hulu. It's episode six, hour and 14 minutes long. Highly recommend it. Lexi, great job. I will see you next week. Peace. TTYL. Peace.